we've got one child, uh, not child, he's a youth now. And he no longer, this is what happened. His father used to abuse his mother for years and years and years. A'udhu Billah. His father abused his mother for years and years, domestic violence, beating her up and everything like that. And he observed this. Those who do this, they should see what impact it's having on the child. Now this child, he must have heard somewhere, let me make dua. So he must have been making dua, but the abuse continued. So now he thinks that there's no God because I was told to make dua. I made dua and it didn't stop. So now, I don't know how old he is, 17, 18, 19. Somebody mentioned, it's just recent. Somebody mentioned that he no longer makes dua anymore. He, he doesn't say much anymore. But this is his problem. He thinks that God does not exist because he made a dua and nothing happened. This is a conundrum. A lot of people deal with these kind of questions in their mind. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi hamdun kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fihi mubarakan alayhi kama yuhibbu rabbuna wa yarda. Jalla jalaluhu wa amma nawaluhu. والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Dear brothers, nice to be in your midst in this month of Ramadan. It's been, I think I was here two years ago. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed the pandemic from us and allow us to continue uh, to come to the masjid and be close together. The Ramadan is the month of the Qur'an. It's a special time for the Qur'an. That's why many of our predecessors used to abundantly recite the Qur'an in Ramadan and interact with the Qur'an in Ramadan, more than sometimes other worships as well. Along with the fasting, there's a special connection with the Qur'an. Generally, they say that in your, when you're fasting, your thought process is clearer. Uh, give it a few days. First few days when you fast, when you start fasting, you're a bit confused because we're not used to fasting. If somebody's not used to fasting every day, then the first few days of fasting, people are a bit groggy, they're a bit tired, they're a bit confused. But once you have a few days and your system gets used to it, the, the mind works better on an empty stomach or not on a full stomach, you can say. Not on completely empty stomach. If you're very hungry, then your mind doesn't work either. So I think there's a very special connection between Ramadan and the Qur'an, because I think it's a time not just for reciting the Qur'an, which many people, mashallah, do, but also pondering the Qur'an and reflecting over the Qur'an. The Qur'an is, uh, especially when the Qur'an, uh, the, the Ramadan was also the time when the Qur'an first was revealed from the divine tablets up to the first heavens altogether it was revealed this is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr wa ma adraka wa ma adraka ma laylatul qadr laylatul qadri khayrun min alf shahr so the Quran was revealed according to this verse in the night of qadr but we also know that it was revealed over 23 years so what this means is that when it was first revealed altogether uh, all in one go, it was revealed to the first heaven, to a place called Baytul Izza, the house of might, the house of greatness. Now, 
From there, Jibreel brought it over 23 years, a bit by bit, went to the Prophet One of the wisdoms of why it was brought over 23, 23 years is because if the Quran all came down at once, then it may have been too much for people to have acted upon it. Because you see the Quran, eventually the way we have it right now, don't fornicate, don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. So many ahkam. The people there were in gross ignorance. Lots of jahiliyyah, very far from where we are today. So, if the Quran came down altogether and they had to practice this overnight, it would have been very difficult. So, it happened slowly, slowly, bit by bit. And it did not come down in the order as we know. The first verse was Surah Iqra Bismi. After that was Surah Al-Muddathir, which are actually towards the end of the Quran now. And Surah Al-Baqarah was actually revealed in Medina Munawwara. You know, that's a Madani Surah. So it gives you an understanding of the Quran. Now, the other benefit is that Jibreel could actually see from the Quran, uh, once he was in the first heavens, what was the relevant parts. And whenever that became relevant, so sometimes the Muslims would ask a question. Yes, they ask you about the moon, uh, about the yeah, about the moon. So the answer came. They ask you about women's cycle. Yes, So again, that verse came down. Sometimes it would be objections from the enemies. Sometimes it would be questions, criticisms, objections from the enemies. How can this be the case? How can there be... They, they didn't like the idea of a resurrection. That we will come back to life afterwards. Allah will bring us back. They just couldn't understand that. So, so many verses were revealed about that. The one who created everything the first time round from nothing, he will create you again. Why is that so difficult? Why do you think that's so difficult? So, sometimes 10 verses would come down together. Sometimes one verse would come. Sometimes a part of a verse would come. But the Prophet ﷺ would be told exactly where to place it. So when he would receive it, he would tell the Sahaba who was writing it down, this verse, put it here, in the surah in which this is mentioned. So that's how the whole Quran, as we see today, is organized by the Prophet ﷺ through Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's guidance. It wasn't done randomly. There's agreement that the way it's organized, Surah Al-Fatiha, Surah Al-Baqarah, and the way it is, it's organized like that. Now, the Quran is a book for remembrance. So, for example, Surah Al-Fatiha, which Allah makes us read how many times a day? For somebody who is going to do Salat, the Fard, the Wajib, the Sunnah, we read it like, what, 30, 40 times? And no, so many times. Why is Surah Al-Fatiha so important? Why do we do it so many times? Why was it not another verse? Why Surah Al-Fatiha? Because Surah Al-Fatiha is one of the most powerful verses of the Quran. And Allah wants us to do it because this life is a struggle. This is not an easy life to practice the deen. Because the Prophet ﷺ was told, قُلْ آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ استقم. 
say, I believe in Allah and then remain steadfast. So once you say you believe in Allah, there's lots of responsibilities that come. Somebody who doesn't say they believe in Allah doesn't make a difference. But if you say you believe in Allah and I am a believer, you sit in the masjid, well, there's responsibilities. Don't eat haram. You know, don't do haram. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't look at haram. Don't go close to haram. Pray salat, fasting. Don't, you can't do interest, even though it's very lucrative. Only 0.5% is the interest rate. Uh, it's a no-brainer, you know, you can make so much money if I start business like this, you know, and get a loan from the bank, but no, you can't do it, right? It's not allowed. So, the Quran is Surah Al-Fatiha, as we are saying, the Surah Al-Fatiha. Why do you think we have to read it so many times in a day? Have you ever thought, anybody thought about this? Why we have to read it? You check after that you read other verses or another surah, but Surah Al-Fatiha you must read. Because it's so powerful. Surah Al-Fatiha is like a conclusion of the Quran. But one of the biggest things in there is that in our life as Muslims, it's tough to have steadfastness. That is very, very tough. Allah says in the Quran, فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتْ Remain steadfast as you have been commanded. And the Prophet said, this is one of the most difficult verses on me. Because you know what steadfastness means? Steadfastness means that we're totally on the middle path in every aspect. Not this side too much, not this side too much. It's like saying when you're driving on the highway, you must drive in exactly in the middle. You can't swerve this way or that way. Even when you get a bit tired, you can't go that way. You must stay straight, otherwise you're in trouble. So steadfastness starts with our beliefs. You must have steadfastness and moderation in your beliefs. So in our beliefs, we must make sure that we don't have any extreme beliefs. Or we mustn't have shortcoming in our beliefs. For example, all the groups of the past that were considered to be heresies, heretics, uh, misguided groups, they all had problems with extreme belief, like the Shias and all other groups, the Mu'tazila, etc. They went, they said, um, for example, in our deed, if you commit a major sin, somebody lies, somebody fornicates, somebody steals, we say that as long as they believe inside, they're still believers, but they're sinners. They could be punished by Allah. The Mu'tazila, they said, this person is not a Muslim anymore. You commit any major sin, you're not Muslim. But you're not kafir either. You're somewhere in between. Not Muslim, not kafir. Where are you going to be? In Jahannam, in a special place. In a special place in Jahannam. You'll never go to paradise because you're not a mu'min. But you're not a full kafir either. So you've got a special place. This is extreme view. Then on the other hand, you had another view, which was um, worse. They, this was the khawarij. They are extreme. They said, if you commit a major sin, you're not a mu'min and you are a kafir. So they went one step beyond the mu'tazil and say, you are kafir now. So you'll be in hellfire. Unless you make tawbah and come back to Islam. If you don't, you cannot be forgiven. We say that Allah can send this person to be punished. Now, in hellfire, Allah says, لَهَا سَبْعَةُ أَبْوَابِ 
Hellfire has seven stages. The top stage is for the believers. That's the washing machine for the believers. That's where believers are sent to be cleaned. You can call it like a dry cleaning process. I mean, Allah protect us. So, but if Allah wants, he may forgive us. Allah wants, he can forgive us as well. Now, on the other hand, the other extreme, there were some groups called the Murji'ah which said that if you commit a sin, no problem. If you don't do Salat, no problem. If you don't fast, it's not a problem. As long as you got belief. Belief is the most important thing. As long as you got belief, nothing else will harm you. You won't be punished for it either. So you have these extremes. So a believer can't have those extremes. Also in practice, we have to stay steadfast. Now, Surah Al-Fatiha, anybody who reads it with meaning, the benefit will be that we are asking Allah for steadfastness. In this biggest responsibility in human life, is in a mu'min's life, in a believer's life, which is to stay steadfast, Surah Al-Fatiha is very, very useful in that regard. It's one of the most useful things because what we say in Surah Al-Fatiha is, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us to the straight path, not the deviated path, not the one this side or that side. Keep us on the straight path. Now imagine if you and I know what this means and when we're reading Surah Al-Fatiha, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ that dua is going to be special. We read it in our salat anyway. We just read it right now. Or the imam read it for us. In your sunnah, you'll read it. But if we know what we're saying, it makes a big difference. A lot of people, they wonder how to gain concentration in prayer. This is the way to gain concentration in prayer. is to read the Fatiha and to learn its meaning. Now, maybe I can ask how many people... Um, here know the meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha if you raise your hands how many people know the meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha I'm not embarrassing I'm saying who knows the meaning okay mashallah that's about mashallah 50% it's good 50% alhamdulillah the other 50% the yeah, rest of Ramadan you need to uh, you need to learn the meaning of Fatiha right um, you will see once you know it and you start reading your Salat will become inshallah much more and also use this Ramadan to not just read the Quran, read the Quran, lots of it, but also spend some time in thinking of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah nazzala ahsan al-hadithi kitaban mutashabiham mathaniya taqashairru minhu juludu al-lazina yakshawna rabbahum thumma talinu juluduhum wa quluboohum ila dhikrillah. This is Surah Al-Zumar, verse 23. Now, think of this verse. Allah says, Allah has revealed the best of discourses, the best of words, which is the Quran. Kitaban, a book, mutashabihan, which is similar to one another. Whatever you read in one place, you read Adam alayhi salam's story in Surah Al-Baqarah. You go to another surah, you'll find a similar story with a, bit, with a slight difference. Right? So it constantly... It constantly um, parallels with one another and provides you a harmony with one another. Same message is mentioned so many times. Then Allah says, Mutashabihan, similar to one another. Mathaniya, off repeated. So 
lots of things in the Quran are repeated over and over again. Lots of uh, ideas are repeated. Musa alayhi salam's story is mentioned so many times. Allah mentioned so many times that Allah is forgive. Allah forgives. He is ghafoorur rahim. Allah mentioned so many times that He is there, available for you whenever you need Him. Because when you read it the first time, He may not hit you. You are not in the mood. When you read it the second time, you're a bit soft-hearted. You've just had a problem in life, and you read this and like, oh, Subhanallah, just give me forgiveness. So then Allah says, "Dakshairu minhu jalud al-ladina yakhshawna Rabbahum." This the 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 skin, the flesh of those who fear their Lord, it trembles by the Quran. Has our skin and flesh ever trembled because of the Quran? ثُمَّ تَلِينُ جُلُودُهُمْ Eventually, after doing it so many times, the, the, their flesh will become softened and their hearts will become softened for the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person who reads the Quran often will become soft-hearted. The harshness will go from their lives. They will become better people. There's no way that's... If, if you find harshness in you, if you find that you're harsh, start reading the Quran with meaning. You will find that it will soften you out with everything that you read. Because when, when you read the Quran, you understand the awesomeness and power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We then understand that we're just human beings. Even though I, I may be very strong, I may be very wealthy, I may have lots of influence, I may have a big position somewhere, which makes me a bit arrogant, which makes me overconfident, it gives me false assurance and false security. But when you read the Quran and you realize that there were bigger people than us, we can interact with this and benefit from this. So that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zumar verse 27 now, few verses later Allah says وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ رُوحًا مِّنْ أَمْرِنَا مَا كُنْتَ تَدْرِي مَلْكِتَابٌ وَلَا الْإِيمَانِ وَلَكِنْ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُورًا نَهْدِي بِهِ مَنْ نَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِي إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ صِرَاطِ اللَّهِ الَّذِي لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ we have inspired to you the ruh, which is from one of our commands, which is from our commands. You did not know what the kitab was before this. Before you were given the kitab, you didn't know what the kitab was. You didn't know what iman was either. So we made it into a light. That's why the Quran is also called the nur. Because it illuminates what's right and wrong for us. These are all basic things. You're saying, this is so basic. I'm telling us so basic things. But are we taking the Quran as a light? Are we directly gaining light? Are we putting the light on? And the way to put this light on, to benefit Allah, has given us a light. Now you sit in a dark room and you don't use the light. You don't put it on. You want to save electricity. right? You want to save your batteries on your phone so you don't put the light on. You're not going to get much. You're going to have trouble. So in our life, we have troubles. The Quran is there, shifa. The Quran is a shifa. Allah says it's a shifa. It's a shifa. There's a lot of people with depressing ideas. If they read the Quran, inshallah, they, 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 this will be their cure. This will be their cure. 
there's a woman who Allahu Akbar some months ago she contacted she said she's 35 years old and cannot get married and she was really really like what is the situation why can't I get married am I doomed does Allah not want me to be married and once subhanallah when people have these problems they start complaining about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's another woman she called the other day she said that she's has ringing in her ears um tinnitus i think you call it some ringing is a hissing sound in the ears billah, allah protect us from it and she's saying how can allah make me suffer like this if you know how can allah make me suffer like this i'm making so much dua but it's not going away so i'm gonna lose i'm gonna lose my faith i said okay fine lose your faith where are you gonna go then like why do you blame allah for just think about it why do you blame allah for did allah promise you that you're not going to have suffering did allah say that it's going to be paradise for you in this world that you're not going to have any problems allah never said that where are you getting this idea from this shaitan telling you that because it's not getting better that means there's probably no god or some weird idea i said okay fine give up then what's going to happen you think it's going to get better then because you don't longer believe in Allah, so you're going to get better? Now just think of that logic. So I think then she started realizing that's the wrong thing. People need something to complain about, and the easiest thing is to complain about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, so the first sister I was talking about, I said, look, you need to believe you can, and you need to ask Allah, and I'm going to give you something to read. Read, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. It's from the Quran, right? Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Read that this many times a day he means hasbunallah allah is sufficient for us wa ni'mal wakil and he's the best of patrons he's the one who's going to look after you in the best of ways alhamdulillah i i forgot about her she called me i think two days ago and she said i just want to give you the good news do you remember me i said no i don't remember i get so many calls i don't remember you I said i'm the one who was crying to you on the phone i'm 35 years old i couldn't get married i could vaguely remember something she said, I'm finally fixed. I've been reading that dua every day and it's taught me so much. I've learned so much that I've not learned before, essentially. The last few months, I've learned so much about people. Allah has opened it up for me. So I said, Alhamdulillah, MashaAllah. That's the blessing of the Quran. This is the blessing and the power of the verses of the Quran. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there, but He wants us to make the effort to do so. The Quran is a light. Um, I guarantee you, if you're feeling down, you're feeling a bit depressed, you're feeling a bit emotional about something, open the Quran, pretty much any page, you'll find something there for you. I tell people who are sensitive, who are constantly crying, who are constantly ha have a problem with these kind of things, that you know what you should do? Instead of crying for free and wasting your tears, like there's people who cry for free, right? They, they waste their tears. Uh, if I have a small problem with somebody, they start crying. Right? Somebody says something to them, they, they get a bit upset, but they start crying. I said, look, that's your nature. That's fine. You're not going to be punished for your nature, but you have such a valuable asset. There are so many people here, they're thinking, I wish I could cry in front of Allah in my du'as and in my ta'ajjud. They can't cry. They find it very tough to cry. And mashallah, you're crying for free. Five times a day. So what you do in crying is instead of crying just like that, when you feel like that, two things. 
either open the Quran and start to read and you'll find so many things to cry about. And your crying will be valuable here in the sight of Allah. There are so many stories. Ashab al-Wahdud. You read, you, you read about those people who are mercilessly flesh torn from, blood, uh, torn from their bones. You read about the other people and everything else that's going to happen in Jahannam and you'll find so many things to cry about and your heart will get prepared for that. Your heart will get close to Allah. And number two, if you can't do that, you don't have a Quran, then put your hands up to Allah. In fact, don't even put your hands up. Just direct your heart to Allah and make dua and use the crying to make dua for Allah. Oh Allah, relieve me. Oh Allah, relieve me. Oh Allah, give me this. Oh Allah, take, uh, give me delivery from this. Oh Allah, give me sukoon. Give me tranquility. Don't cut, cry for free. Don't waste your tears. And you will get a harness on your, on your emotion. You'll get a harness on your emotion. There was another person, they contacted me, just been through a divorce and they were depressed and couldn't sleep at night. Told them to read some, do some dhikr from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Three weeks I got an email saying that I'm sleeping better than I used to sleep before. This is science. This is empirical. You try it. You try it and you will see the benefit of it. So that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. We have made it a light for you that we will guide with it whoever we wish of our servants. And then Allah says to the Prophet you obviously guide people to the straight path. This is the straight path that you guide people. Thereafter that in another verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa. Actually the verse I just recited was from Surah Al-Shura. I made a mistake. Uh, it was not from Surah Al-Zumar, it's from Surah Al-Shura. The next verse, Ya ayyuhan nasu qad ja'akum burhanun mir rabbikum wa anzalna ilaykum nuran mubina. Oh, this is from Surah An-Nisa, verse 174. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh people, there has come to you a proof, clear evidence, clear proof. If you look in it, you'll find all the evidence of what you wanted. From your Lord, and we have given you a clear light for you to benefit from. So Allah calls it a clear light in the Quran. Thereafter, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al Tahabun, فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَالنُّورِ الَّذِي أَنزَلْنَا Believe in Allah and His Messenger and in the light that we have caused to descend. Allah is saying over and over again, This is a light. Why don't we take it as a light in our life? Why don't we take it directly as a light? Alhamdulillah, most of us follow the light of the Quran. If you're practicing Muslim, you follow the light, but you follow it indirectly. You follow it through what you've been told through other books, which is fine. Right? We're following the dictates of the Quran, but how about if we can learn directly and take the message directly and speak to Allah. Allah, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak to us directly. What we're going to do today is, because it's the... what. Which day of Ramadan is it? Sorry, the 12th. So let us open chapter 12. And in the few minutes that we have, 10 minutes, we will just look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in chapter 12. Right? Now, chapter 12 it consists of uh, two surahs. It has Surah Hud. And it also has Surah Yusuf, at least the beginning of Surah Yusuf. So 
what I'm going to do is, I mean, we can't talk about the whole juz, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells a few things in surah uh, at the beginning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the human being. This is verse, for those who want to check it later, verse 9 of Surah Hud. If we give people some mercy from us to taste, if we cause them to experience some mercy, then we pull it away from them. They get really, really despondent and they start becoming ungrateful. They start becoming ungrateful and despondent. Now, you've had five wonderful years, right? And then suddenly, for a few days, you had a problem. Whether that be a hissing sound in your ear, whether that be some other difficulty, a pain in your back, and you just start complaining. You become, Allah hates me now. Or, as I said, some people are like, there is no Allah, how can they be Allah? We've got one child, uh, not child, he's a youth now. And he no longer, this is what happened. His father used to abuse his mother for years and years and years. His father abused his mother for years and years, domestic violence, beating her up and everything like that. And he observed this. Those who do this, they should see what impact it's having on the child. Now this child, he must have heard somewhere, let me make dua. So he must have been making dua, but the abuse continued. So now he thinks that there's no God because I was told to make dua. I made dua and it didn't stop. So now, I don't know how old he is, 17, 18, 19. Somebody mentioned, it's just recent. Somebody mentioned that he no longer makes dua anymore. He, he doesn't say much anymore. But this is his problem. He thinks that God does not exist because he made a dua and nothing happened. This is a conundrum. A lot of people deal with these kind of questions in their mind. It doesn't lead everybody to disbelief though, right? But the reason here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us two things. Number one, with dua, He tells us to do a few other things. And there's a remedy, there's a measure that we need to take. We need to, we need to take. Now obviously he was a child, he couldn't do much, but Whoever told him to make dua needed to tell him that sometimes your dua will not be accepted because that's the circumstance doesn't allow for that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has different reasons for why he wants to do things and why he allows certain things to happen. But the biggest thing that people need to understand is that and as the hadith mentioned that your dua will be accepted, there is a benefit in you doing dua even if it's not even if you're not going to get what you are asking for. What you're getting is you're getting reward from Allah you're, because Allah loves it when you make dua. But Allah has to take care of the whole world, the whole universe. And if what you're asking for doesn't fit in to his grand plan, it's not going to happen. You have to remember that. For example, your child wants something. right? Your little brother or child wants something. And you know that if he has that, it's going to waste a lot of his time. Like, he's only seven years old, he wants a phone. Five years old, he wants a phone, he wants his own phone. It's a typical example. Will you give your five-year-old a proper phone? Some people are crazy, they do. They give their seven-year-olds. I mean, some people are like that, they give it for no reason. Some people, they give it because they may be going to school or something, you know. But 
you wouldn't give it. Why? Because you know that it's going to cause a problem. Now, seven years, a few years later, you'll give it to them. Likewise with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he may think that some, he may know that something is not beneficial for you today. After two years, it may be beneficial for you. And sometimes your child may want something which is not beneficial at all. And you're never going to get it for them. Likewise, Allah is never going to give it to us. He'll give it to us in the future. He may never give it to us, but he'll give a reward for us in the future. And also in the world, there are so many calamities that Allah will remove because of our making dua if he doesn't give us what he gives us. So that's why never become like that. Allah says that if we then give them some, some benefits, some prosperity, we make them taste some prosperity after difficulty that had uh, afflicted them. Then they start to say that, oh, all the evil is gone from me. And now they get very arrogant and very excited. So in both cases, they're not thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in one. They're not doing sabr in the other one. And our life is based on sabr and shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next part of this surah tells us those people who like to challenge the Quran. I, was, I went to one of the universities in London to give a talk. And after that, we had another program somewhere else. So... I had to rush from there to another program and I had to go on the underground and I was wondering which way to take. So one of the students at the university, Muslim guy from East London, he said, I'll help you out. I'm going in that direction anyway. So come with me. I said, okay. And then he said, you know, I've got some questions about Islam. I go, what is it? He said, look, I believe Muhammad was a special person. This guy is born Muslim and he's from a Muslim household. He said, I know Muhammad is... Uh, a good person everything I've read about him his biography he was a wonderful person and everything but the Quran uh, I know Quran has a lot of good things in there and I know that so he'd, he'd, edu he'd educated himself that the Quran doesn't have any comparison so far nobody's been able to compare anything with the Quran nobody's been able to produce any equal to the Quran like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says am قُلْ فَأْتُوا بِعَشْرِ سُوَرٍ مِثْلِهِ مُفْتَرَيَاتٍ وَدْعُوا مَنِ اسْتَطَعْتُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ In this one he says, do they claim or do they say that he made up the Qur'an, he fabricated the Qur'an, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that it's not from Allah. Tell them, say to them, that okay, you bring ten verses, uh, sorry, ten surahs, like it, that you make up from yourself, call whoever you want, besides Allah, to try to help you. And if, you, if you're truthful. If they cannot respond to you and if they cannot produce something like it, then Then if you can't do it, then accept that it is, it has been revealed with the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that there is no God except Allah. Are you now going to submit? It says 10 surahs here. In another, it says, فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةِ Bring one surah. In, like, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ They could not bring it. So now, this guy knew that, and he said, okay, for all of these 1400 years, nobody's been able to do it. But my problem is, what about if they do in the future? So how do you answer that question? But he, it's a possibility, he's saying. And this is, this is what skepticism does to you. If there's even a slight possibility and slight doubt, you're willing to take it. So I could say to him, and I didn't say, I don't, think, I don't know if I, I said this to another person who asked a similar question. I said to him, 
how sure are you that your father is your father? He said, I'm very sure. He said, why, how? He said, birth certificate. He said, um, but how can you be sure? You can make up birth. I mean, in Bangladesh, can you make up birth certificates? You could probably do it in England, you know. I mean, is a birth certificate proof? Yeah, officially it's a proof, but is it really, a, you know, somebody who's doubtful, who's skeptical about it, you think it's a proof? It's a DNA. So, okay, DNA tests will give you 99 point something percent accuracy, not 100%. That's agreed. So there's still a possibility. So how can you prove it? Right. This is the disease. Skepticism is the disease. I told him, look, it's the same way. It's just, you're just being skeptical. This is another person, actually. This person, what I told him was, I said, look, what answer would you give? I said to him, look, 1400 years has shown us it hasn't happened. And they've tried. So now, believe in it for now. If in the future somebody brings it up, we'll discuss it then. What else am I going to tell him? What other answer can you give to a person like that? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, at least go with it for now. Because this person's problem is agnosticism. This is another problem, which is, I'm not sure. They don't deny, but it's like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a lazy attitude. That's what it is. They don't want to commit. So it's like, I'm not sure. I said, that's your problem. Just believe for now. It's everything is solid. Right? Everything is solid. Just like everything else in the world, you go because it's predictable, you see it, it's solid, go with it. And then we will deal with it when it happens. And nothing's going to happen, but what else am I going to tell him? So, there's lots of uh, arguments like that that people bring. Shaitan causes these things. The narrative outside that we constantly hear, it allows people to start asking these kind of questions. The job has become a bit more difficult. And... Uh, but sometimes these problems are not spiritual. They're actually psychological. There's a woman, she had a C-section. And then she had to have some other issues. So she's got postnatal depression. The two doctors have told her that. She's been to two doctors. They've told her that you've got, post, you've got depression. They've given her antidepressants. Okay. May Allah bless our women. They go through so much to bring the next generation into the world. You have to understand that. They go through so much, the hormonal imbalances, the emotion, the depression. There are so many women who suffer from postnatal depression at different degrees, different varying levels. There's a lot that suffer every month from uh, premenstrual tension. Why Allah has made them that way, it's not a flaw, it's just that Allah has made them that way because that is what the best conducive way is you know to bear the child to go through the the pangs of birth and and so on but the thing is that if they can't understand this so now she's refusing to take the medicine and she's saying that this is because i committed a sin that's why this is happening and i've made toba and it's still not going away the problem she's got a problem it's all con so confusing so she wants to commit suicide. She called me today and she says, that's it, I want to commit suicide. What's the punishment for it? She says, I want to drink bleach. I said, you will be a bigger sinner. I said, you will be a bigger sinner. And on the day of judgment, what the hadith says is people who commit suicide by stabbing them, they will come 
in front of everyone stabbing themselves. They will constantly be doing that in front of everybody. The way to escape from even if you committed a sin, even if you committed a sin, the way to do that is not to go into another sin. It's to seek forgiveness. Allah forgives. Oh, but if Allah forgives, then why isn't my problem going away? said, because your problem is maybe unrelated. How do you know? It's because he started the day after I committed a sin. The perceived sin. It wasn't even like a full sin. Something. It was, I think it was allowed for her in that case, right? Uh, for her to do what she did. But it's just depression. Now, depression is a dangerous disease which makes you think of various different things. This is like OCD, where if you have OCD, it makes you think you don't have wudu or that your wudu isn't done. So you sit in a wudu place for half an hour and take a ghusl. And if you go to take a bath, you take one hour, right? Uh, the, uh, you know what I tell people like that? It's haram for you to spend more than three minutes doing wudu and ten, more than 10 minutes doing ghusl. You'll be haram, you'll be sinful because you're wasting, right? Um, then what it does is it makes them think that they're divorced all the time that they're divorcing their wife. Or it makes them think, I've dealt with two cases where it makes them think they've lost their faith all the time. This was somebody who had actually studied and he kept thinking that I've done kufr. And every day he's asking questions. It's a psychological problem. He, he was doing everything, but this is, alhamdulillah, it's gone away now. When he put his mind to something and he started a project, then no longer, and he was going through a divorce at the time as well. Alhamdulillah, it's fine now. So, remember, not everything is magic, Tawis, magic, Rukia, whatever, but Rukia is beneficial anyway, right? And not everything is, uh, would you call it a spiritual problem? Sometimes it could actually be a psychological problem. So, keep your options open and get large from all the different directions and keep your, uh, keep your options open. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there to help, but... He can give you suffering because that's the nature of this world. Suffering is part of this world. It started from when Qabil killed Habil. Wasn't there suffering when that happened? Weren't a lot of people upset because of that? Well, that's nature. That's what's going to happen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist us. May Allah give us afiyat. And may Allah protect us. And may Allah allow us to see the right way, especially through the Quran. And Allah make it a guiding light for us. We'll make a short dua. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك في هذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم يا الله have mercy upon us يا الله have mercy on this congregation يا الله have mercy on all the Muslims يا الله give us your generosity أو الله give us your benevolence أو الله give us your forgiveness أو الله grant us complete forgiveness أو الله allow us to be infused with the light of the Quran allow us to know the meanings of the Quran allow us to ponder the Quran allow us to become part of our life Oh Allah, make us people of the Qur'an. Make us of those who, the Prophet ﷺ said, the best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and who teach it. Oh Allah, make us learners of the Qur'an. Make us teachers of the Qur'an. Oh Allah, accept this Ramadan from us. Oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Many of us have spent so many Ramadans before. Oh Allah, make this Ramadan, make us closer to you than we've ever been before. And oh Allah, allow us to remain close to you even after Ramadan. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد. جزاك الله خير for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa taala bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. جزاك الله خير. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.